listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Zoetis. Zoetis knows that producers are scrappy, inventive, and always on the cutting edge. But as the volatility of the marketplace has sent many reeling, finding ways to evolve and weather the storms are crucial to stay profitable. We'd like to encourage our listeners to check out Clarity at Work, Building a Herd for Tomorrow, which is a two-part podcast series by Zoetis that features Tom Ash of Swiss Lane Farms in Alto, Michigan, and Simon Vanderwouda of Vanderwouda Farms in Merced, California. Hear them discuss the origins of their dairy operations and the impacts on their business by using wellness traits from the Dairy Wellness Profit Index with Clarified Plus. In our Dairy Voice episode today, we're really pleased to welcome a woman who is both an innovative dairy producer and an industry leader. I'm your host, Joel Hastings, and our guest is Marilyn Hershey, who farms in southeast Pennsylvania with her husband and family at Our Joy Farm in Cochranville. If her name sounds familiar, it should, because she was recognized as Dairy Woman of the Year at World Dairy Expo in 2017, and she is currently the board chair of Dairy Management, Inc., the National Dairy Checkoff Organization. Today, though, we're not going to talk so much about dairy promotion, but rather what's going on at her dairy farm. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you, Joel. It's uh, truly a pleasure and an honor to be part of this podcast, so thank you. We're glad you could find the time. You grew up on a dairy farm, on your parents' farm, not too far away from where you are right now. Tell us, tell us about that. Sure. So I grew up about 10 miles north of where uh, Dwayne and I are farming now. We're farming, Dwayne and I are farming on his parents' farm. Uh, my parents had a, had a small dairy farm. I helped my father on the, on the farm. I knew, I, I did try waitressing for a short bit of time, and I soon found out I rather worked with cows than waiting on tables. So I ended up going back to the farm and helping him after college or after, you know, after college and high school. Working with the general so he, public he, is a little tougher than the cows make, huh? <laughs> well, some days it is. Uh, some days it is. I, I just found that I really enjoyed the cows. I really enjoyed the farming uh, atmosphere, and I knew that's the, that's the career path I wanted to take. It, it is a bit ironic. I worked for my father for a while, and for the past number of years, he and he has been working on this farm so he's 92 years old and i usually have to send him home when it's on these hot summer days because he loves to be here it gets a little hot for him outside so i usually have to tell him when it's time to go home but uh it's it's a pleasure to have him around our farm with us now and uh you and Dwayne have uh, four children i believe and i think i've seen you quoted as saying that you we're looking forward to uh, raising your family on a on a dairy farm. Oh, I always said that. I um I I enjoyed that. I told my uh, according to my mother, I told her that from a very young age that I'm going to have a family on a farm someday. We did raise our four children, and each one of them has come back and and thanked us for the work ethic that they were raised in, you know, they were, they have responsibilities, they have chores, they have jobs, they have animals that they care for, that they really, uh, really see the value in a, in a hard day's work. Although none of them are, are involved in a big way. Uh, we have a son in LA, a son 
and his wife in uh, Bend, Oregon. Uh, we have a son in the military, and right now he's in South Carolina. And then our daughter uh, is, is local in our area, and she does help us some with HR. You know, the, they're spread out far and wide. Although they're not involved in the farm, they, they have come back and thanked us for the upbringing and appreciate it very much. Well, let's, let's talk about a little bit about the farming activities that you and Duane are working on right now. Kind of how many cows, uh, the lay of the land, employees, kind of give us the overview. So the, the farm started with his father and mother, which is Art and Joyce Hershey. And they have the name, uh, they came up with the name for the farm, Arjoy, A-R-J-O-Y. And so uh, we kept that when Duane and I ended up uh, you know, we had a partnership with his parents for quite a while after we got married and then slowly started the purchasing process. And But when we did that, when Dwayne and I purchased the cows, we decided to keep the Arjoy name. We like that name. It's kind of nice to, to remember who it is that started this farm and this operation. And uh, we've always enjoyed having that legacy as part of our farm. So Arjoy is Holsteins is the name of our farm. We have registered Holsteins. We're milking roughly about 800. That includes dry cows, about 850, including dry cows, and then raise our young stock. We enjoy playing playing around with genomics a little bit and have a few of the high-end cows in our herd that we will flush and, and put through a flushing program. So we enjoy that end of it. We work some with uh, with a good friend of ours, Jim Copper, and we enjoy um, working with him very much. It's a lot of you know. It's just something. It adds a little more excitement, a little more, a little more to the day when when a little more to the breeding program when you're working uh, working on that end as well. We farm about 600 acres, and uh, our acreage most of it goes to corn silage. Uh, we do double crop some and we'll raise some other grasses and forages that we'll harvest in the spring and then replant corn on those on those crops. So it's, it keeps us busy. <laughs> we used to think that the wintertime was the downtime, and I, I think we're trying to figure out when that downtime actually comes. It, it does keep us busy, but it's certainly uh, a life we enjoy. We have about 16 employees. 16, 17 employees. And with raising our own young stock, we do have some part-time help as well. But they do. We do have some heifers that we board out. Not everything is is raised on our location here in Cochranville. It is. It does keep us busy. I know uh, in Chester County and neighboring Lancaster County, it is real farm country. But there's also lots of folks and and lots of people and high land values. Uh, are you able to uh, acquire more land or are you kind of on the place where you are and you need to make it work? It's interesting farming in this part of the country for those very reasons you mentioned. You know, we're an hour from Philadelphia. We are uh, an hour from Baltimore, two and a half between New York City and D.C. So it is a very heavily congested area. It's difficult moving equipment around and on the roads and, and can be very challenging in that way. Our land value is, it is very difficult to acquire land. Not only um, are there other, you know, we have, we have a very strong, backing up a little bit, we have a very strong ag preservation program in Chester County. And quite a few farmers have taken advantage of it. So in our part of Chester County, 
you know, a lot of the land is preserved for agriculture. And so that does help us. But there's also crop farmers in the area, poultry farmers in the area, not just dairymen, who are also looking to acquire land or build their base. We were able to pick up some land a couple years ago, but uh, I think that'll be it for a little while. <laughs> so you need to make it work with the, with the property that you have. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you live in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, which comes under special attention in terms of preserving water quality. And you've also uh, brought a manure digester uh, onto your dairy. Uh, talk a little bit about how you're managing the environment and, and uh, what's going on on the farm there. As long as I remember farming here, the Chesapeake Bay has been part of our conversation. We have worked for decades with NRCS, with improving conservation practices, with putting, um, you know, we, ha- we put in stream bank fencing a number of years ago, which has really grown up and gives a nice buffer, not only gives a buffer for the runoff for our creek that runs through the farm, but also uh, is, a, is a place for habitat. And so, you know, there's, there's fox in there, there's, um, there's deer that will kick up every once in a while, a lot of birds and a lot of other little critters that like to live in the water. So it's, it's nice, it's not just a buffer, um, it's also a habitat area for for other wildlife you know that's that's our stream bank we've also put other practices in place we test our soils to make sure and have them monitored to make sure that the nutrients that are going on the farm is is the right amount the right quality that we need to grow to grow good crops and and we did you know we do enjoy the bay is is about uh, 40 miles about 40 minutes south of us, but we enjoy spending time on the bay. We, you know, we want the bay to be clean and the bay to be, uh, have good habitat down there as well. I certainly understand, you know, why having a clean bay area is important. I did sit on uh, Chesapeake Bay um, Ag Work Group for a couple years. My eyes were really open to a, you know, a completely different set of acronyms and, and way of thinking. And it was nice uh, when I stepped off, another dairyman stepped on, and it's nice to have uh, that representation on the Chesapeake, Ag, you know, on the Ag Work Group as they're working, working to find solutions. But we, um, back in 2017, Dwayne and I started our digester, started up the digester. It was a project that we had been looking at for, I'd say, roughly five, six years. Did a lot of research on the kind of digester we want to put in, um, had a lot of groundwork to do with uh, PICO, with Philadelphia Electric Company. We are the first digester for PICO, and so it's a learning, it was a learning experience for them as well as us. We did start it up in the fall of 2017. Started taking food waste in with that and kind of a slow process. In the last year, year and a half, we've started working with Noblehurst up in New York. They have a, a very aggressive food waste operation and started working with them. Uh, they've connected us with the Philadelphia Produce Auction. So there's two things going on. We're bringing in, we bring in produce from Philadelphia Produce Auction that would be normally going for landfill and land uh, into the landfill. And we're using it to feed to our cows. So it's not uncommon that we'll walk through the barn and you'll see uh, apples or limes or lemons or things of that nature in the 
in the in the trench with the with the feed um, and the cows love it we also feed it to the heifers and offset a little bit of cost there we also work with Noblehurst. it's a company called natural upcycling and work with them as well to take food waste from wegmans that is ground and run what, into wegmans the is the grocery the, the grocery store chain yes. in, in the northeast yeah yes yes it is a grocery store chain in the Northeast, I would say, you know, a higher end grocery store chain in the Northeast, but really uh, Noblehurst has, has had a relationship with them for, for a very long time, a very nice relationship with them. And so working with Chris Noble and his team has been, uh, has really been a blessing for us and, and just an added blessing there. Um, it's interesting, you know, you have this food waste sitting around and, and uh, every, you know, it has to be put through the grinder and this morning I had I had a nice view of three eagles flying over the farm and flying around. Uh, they noticed the food waste at all. So uh, also, so <laughs> when they noticed the food waste as well, I uh, I guess we have a little competition for the digester. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, are you able to uh, use the separated solids for bedding when there is food waste as part of it, or is that doesn't make it realistic at that point? Yes, we are able to do that because the majority of go of what's going into the digester is still manure. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the majority of what's going into the digester is the manure from our cows from the freestall barn. And since that is the majority, we the solids that come out of that is gone through, you know, we put it through a press and then we we put it in piles and let it naturally go through another heat process before we um, put it down in the stalls. But we're able to use that um, as a nice source of bedding for the cows. I, I know there are some farms who use that as sell it back to, um, they have contracts to sell it peat moss or as mulching. We've decided to uh, reduce the cost of bedding and use it in the stalls. Just tell us a little bit about your farm setup, the, the, the free stalls that you have, what sort of a milking center that you're working in these days. Sure. We have a, a double 12 parlor. It's a parallel parlor. We can, you know, we have uh, roughly 80 to 100 going through an hour, which I think is pretty standard. We have two employees in the, in the parlor milking. One of them is in there milking the entire time. The other one's out switching groups from time to time. We have four different groups in the barn. We have, or five different groups, excuse me. We have five different groups in the barn. We have a group that the stalls are a bit larger with uh, being concerned about the genetics of our cows. We have some larger cows and the cows that, and they're Holsteins. So it is a bigger breed uh, of dairy cow. So we have a, a stall that has a few more inches on it for those cows that, that need that extra space. We have a group that we put all of our, our first calf heifers in. So the first time they have a calf, for their first lactation, they are in that group. And it's important to do that so that they're not competing against an older cow for feed. You know, they're going to come up to the bunk a little quicker. Uh, then we'll have a, a higher milking group and then two lower stages. And, you know, we do that, obviously, for... Um, for feeding purposes because the ration is going to look differently for a cow that is milking in her, in her peak time as opposed to a cow that is uh, slowing down. What sort of production levels are you hitting these days? 
Uh, well, you know, you're asking at a difficult time of year for high production, <laughs> but uh, it, it has been really, really hot the past two, three weeks uh, here in Pennsylvania. And I, I keep hearing the heat wave's going to end, but uh, it, 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 it hasn't ended yet. We're between 85 and 90 pounds. In the winter, when it's cooler, we can get between 90 and 95, and that's pounds per day. Understand. We have a milk hauling business that we have with a neighbor, uh, neighboring farmer, uh, Walt Moore, and and we will uh, call Mucho Milk. We do uh, haul our own milk, so that we have that side business business as well. As I understand it, you you ship to Land Lakes, and uh, your husband Dwayne is active uh, with with Land Lakes too. <laughs> Just talk a little bit about the co-op. Yeah, actually, he's on a call right now um, <laughs> with Land Lakes. He has been on the board, you know, I might get this wrong, but it might be going on eight to 10 years that he's been on the Land Lakes board as a director and really enjoys that and, and has several meetings throughout the year. Uh, everything, obviously, with COVID has turned to Zoom, which is really kind of interesting. We've learned how to... Uh, I did a lot of traveling with DMI prior to this, and we're all learning how can we better make, you know, make use of our time a little better. And, and some of the meetings, I think, going forward will continue to be virtual just because it saves, it saves us time. He's very active on Land Lakes, enjoys that, and enjoys working for other farmers, you know, with, land, with the Land Lakes board on behalf of the other farmers in this area. Well, you did mention DMI, so let's just talk a little bit about your milk promotion career. Uh, you started more locally, as folks often do, but just mm -hmm. get a couple highlights. Sure. So served on the National Dairy Board uh, for, for six years and then moved over to the UDIA, which is the, more of the local representation that is on the National Board. So I was a, a local representative on the on the National um, Board of Promotion, and when I did that, the chair, the current chair, uh, Paul Roby, uh, excellent dairy farmer from Arizona, was stepping back. And when he decided to do that, I had been on the executive board uh, for a number of years and decided to run for chair and was very excited. I've, it's just been an honor uh, to be able to do that. I enjoy it. You meet a lot of interest, interesting people. I feel like I can make a difference. I think that's, you know, that Dwayne would also go back to that for the Land Lakes Board. You know, you feel like it, it takes time. It is, it is time away from the farm. So we have to have employees that are in place that can cover us here. But it does give us a opportunity to also feel like we're we're able to make a difference for people. I'm, and I know that you do. Uh, I know that you both do. We appreciate that service. Well, thank you. Uh, just a quick word. I, I promise we wouldn't talk a lot about DMI or dairy promotion, but as a producer and a dairy leader, as we've come through, are going through, we haven't come through it yet, as we're going through this COVID-19 situation, uh, how do you assess uh, dairy going forward and our new relationship with consumers and, and the like? Well, that's interesting, Joel. You know, I think we are all trying to figure this, you know, figure out it's a new normal, right? We're trying to figure out, you know, how can we, how can we continue, how can we continue to move milk? You know, our, our responsibility at checkoff is sales and trust. So sales of milk and trust from the consumer. 
you know, I feel like we have an opportunity nutritionally. We had a, what I think was a, was a good step with the nutritional guidelines we just had uh, that came out. So we need to really push the nutritional value. We have an incredible nutritional product in milk and we need to really get that message out there. And, and we had a relationship prior to this with Feeding America, but when COVID hit, you know, is still impacting food banks across the country, uh, that relationship with Feeding America was just critical and instrumental in being able to move as much product as we could. And we're still working with them. And I think moving forward the next six, seven, eight months, we will continue to work as closely as we can to see how can we get more gallons of milk into, into the hands of the people that need it. And I'm afraid your, I, I hope your five, six, seven months projection is correct. And, and, and we don't need to deal with it <laughs> know, longer really. than that. Cir yeah. Circling yeah. back to our Joy Farm, you mentioned that your children, uh, your grown children are off doing other things. How do you and, and Dwayne assess the future of your operation? What, what plans are you making? You know, the, the reality that we do talk about is that, that we're, not, uh, we're not getting younger. And Dwayne just had a hip replacement, which, which really kind of smacks it in your face a little bit. It, it is something we think about, we talk about. We know that if our farm's going to continue, that it is, you know, most likely going to be a, an employee or two that will, that will work into that role. You know, Dwayne's not ready, certainly not ready to retire yet. But it is something we talk about. Uh, we've had verbal conversations. I've had verbal conversations with the Center of Dairy Excellence, and they do a really nice job with transition. Uh, we haven't, haven't started down that formal path yet, but it is something we keep in the back of our minds, that we know that there is someone out there that, that will um, work very nicely in this operation. We rely heavily on our faith, Dwayne and I do. We always have. We come from a very faith founda foundational families, and we re rely heavily on, on prayer and our faith and have certainly been looking for wisdom in, in the timing of that. Well, thank you for sharing that, Marilyn. As we wind up here, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. As we were getting ready for this conversation, you mentioned that uh, you were back feeding calves when you had a, an employee <laughs> uh, tell you that they were going to move on to other things. So you're, you're very hands-on on the dairy, and you're very hands-on with your leadership role, and we appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. It is, like I said before, you know, I've always said you have to love this life to like it. And I, you know, I will be honest, there are days, there was a day a couple of weeks ago, it was pretty hot and there wasn't much help around. And I tell you, I was, <laughs> I wasn't sure how many cans, you know, if somebody would have backed the truck up and said, can I buy some cans? I think I might've said, sure. How many do you want? But, uh, you know, it's, it, you have those days. I think every farmer, if, they, if they're honest, they will admit it, it is not always an easy life and it's not always an easy day. It really is something, when I sit back and think about the, the lifestyle we've had, the lifestyle we've raised our family with, the, you know, I think we do have a, a strong career here in the next, I think farming, there are parts of farming that really look hopeful in the in the next number you know i i plan to continue farming for as long as we can so there is hope in farming and i think there is hope for that next generation i certainly want farmers out there to know that 
but it is it is it is something that will grab you every once in a while joel <laughs> well thank you for those inspiring thoughts as well as a touch of realism too marilyn we really appreciate you spending time with us today thank you absolutely my pleasure thank you joel We've been speaking with Marilyn Hershey, Pennsylvania dairy producer and industry leader. Thank you to our listeners for being with us on Dairy Voice. If you found this episode interesting, which I have to believe you will, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Again, thank you for being with us. I'm Joel Hastings for DairyBusiness.com.